Hi, and welcome to Leads to Scale, a podcast from Social Media Week featuring me, Toby Daniels. On today's show, we had a great conversation with Converse Social's founder and CEO, Joshua March. Josh is a super interesting guy, having built Commerce Social into the one of the world's leading providers of social customer service software. In addition to being an industry leader and also one of Social Media Week's most engaging speakers, Josh is also the author of Message Me, the future of customer service in the era of social messaging and artificial intelligence. I've known Josh for a number of years as he founded his first company right around the same time we launched Social Media Week back in 2009, and it's been really exciting to see his success and the growth over the last 10 years. During our conversation, we talked about a whole number of things, including how he went about acquiring his first customer, how they scaled their business as an early adopter of social media as a customer service channel, and why he's excited about messaging apps like WhatsApp and Apple Business Chat in regards to their role in business communications. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Just a quick note before we get into the interview. When we sat down to record this, we were actually on location at Social Media Week in Los Angeles, and unfortunately, the room wasn't too friendly to our recording device. So you may actually hear a slight popping sound from time to time. Apologies for that. Hopefully, you'll enjoy the content. With that, let's get on with the show. Okay, on the podcast today, we have Joshua March, the CEO of Commerce Social. Thanks for joining, Josh. Thanks for having me on. So, first of all, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the story behind Commerce Social. Sure. So, as you said, I'm the founder and CEO of Commerce Social. Uh, we're a digital care platform that was really born from the ground up for social messaging. We started live um, a number of years ago now, really when social media started to become a much bigger player in terms of how businesses were interacting with customers. And we started really with this very clear vision, which was that as all communication shifted into smartphones and social media and messaging, that it would have to become, a, a re, it was going to become a really big customer service channel. And as that happened, there was a need for a solution and software that would help uh, kind of bring together these two worlds of you know, rapidly shifting worlds of, of social media and messaging on the one hand, and the needs of the large enterprise contact center on the other hand. Um, and so that was our kind of mission to bridge that gap from, from the early days. And, and in many ways we did that and we have hundreds of major B2C clients who we work with around the world. People like you know, Hertz Rental Car, Macy's, Alaska Airlines, British Airways, you know, a lot of big airlines, a lot of big retailers, a number of telcos who really had to invest pretty heavily into doing customer service through these channels where customers have just been coming whenever they have any kind of problem and, and that keeps getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the big shift over the last couple of years has been the rise of private messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In the end, when someone has a problem and they want to get help, they generally just want to get that help as quickly and easily as possible. And people started turning to public social media uh, because they were struggling with traditional service channels, you know, with the phone or the email. You know, it was either just frustrating or they weren't getting the help they needed fast enough. Mm-hmm. And so they were kind of escalating it up publicly to try and get a quick response. And it's very easy to just sort of send a message and tweet off your phone. Um, those customers are realizing that actually for many brands now, you can just message them privately. Mm-hmm. Actually, they prefer that. And for our customers now, about 
the, our customers are getting twice the volume of, of customer service messages coming through private messaging than they are public social media, mm -hmm. which is a massive change from just a year ago. Well, one of the things I just want to jump in on there, though, because like one of the fascinating things about social media, particularly Twitter in the early days, as people sort of went to Twitter to kind of make a complaint, was the fact that there was um, the, the public aspect to, to making that complaint put additional pressure on those companies to have to respond mm -hmm. and respond quickly. And, and to a certain extent, that's still the case because people still complain on Twitter. Yeah. Um, moving into that private sort of setting, it, isn't there like a chance or a potential kind of issue with the fact that um, that that pressure is then kind of like taken away, and so therefore it's easier for these um, brands to be able to put in place the same kind of levels of automation that make it like incredibly frustrating for customers to be able to get problems solved. Yes, yeah, so there's a number of parts to this, to, to, to answering this. First of all, it 100% started, the public customer care, public social care started, uh, not because brands wanted it to happen, but because customers saw this as a way to get a quick response and to get a response for something that they may have been struggling to otherwise. Um, with private messaging, it's a little bit different. And actually, the biggest growth that we're seeing in terms of private messaging is brands actively encouraging and promoting their customers to come over private messaging. And that's because they're realizing that, um, you know, first of all, because it's so easy for customers, it's so effortless, so convenient, uh, it actually drives really high CSAT and NPS scores. Mm -hmm. um, right, so it's great from a loyalty perspective and a customer experience perspective. But on the other hand, the asynchronous workflow of messaging mm -hmm is actually much more efficient to have an agent handle than like a live phone call. Mm. Because, you know, with a phone call, an agent can only handle one customer at a time. Mm -hmm. you know, with live chat, you're still having these live conversations. An agent can maybe handle two. Mm -hmm. But with an asynchronous conversation, you know, how many friends can you text with at once? Mm. You know, it's basically the same, right? And, and so an agent can easily handle a five-plus mm. customers you know, without breaking a sweat. Mm. Uh, and actually, it's kind of even more than that. Mm. Um, and it is easier to automate. And the interesting thing there, though, is that it is possible to automate part of messaging in a way that uh, still doesn't upset the customer. Mm -hmm. And this is a really kind of key part. Uh, you know, a lot of companies have tried to build chatbots over the last couple of years, and, and most of them have kind of failed. Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to a customer service conversation, there's a long tail of very complex issues, mm -hmm. and it's hard to build a you know, chatbot that can handle the full range of, of questions and issues that can come up. Mm -hmm. um, so if you try and do everything, it's, it's not going to work. And you're going to frustrate the customer, they'll end up phoning. But because in messaging, it is this like asynchronous, right? If a brand takes five minutes to respond, that's actually fine. Mm -hmm. and that's actually pretty much real time if they take five minutes to respond. And because of that, it means that when a customer messages, you can have a system that uh, automates the simple stuff. And as soon as it needs to hand over to a human agent, it can just do that in the background. The human agent responds five, ten minutes later. You know, the customer doesn't have to, is kind of none the wiser and doesn't really care. They're still getting a really quick response. Mm. Yeah, so in the traditional live chat world, it was pretty, it's kind of pretty painful to do this handoff between a bot and a human. But with messaging, it's really, really easy. Um, and so what we're starting to see is this combination of bots, machine learning, and human agents, mm -hmm. which can all kind of go together. And for the customer, they're just sending a message and they're getting a response back and you know, they just want their issue solved in the end. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're never creating a situation where you have a bot saying, I don't understand you, you know, go back to option one. Mm -hmm. you know, whenever the, any, anything that could get to that point of taking it to a human agent, then it's still a great experience. Um, so 
you remind me when did you start the company? So we launched in 2011. 2011. All right. So, um, you know, you obviously, you know, uh, been around, you know, long enough to sort of see many iterations of this business of the industry, technologically speaking, but also in terms of how consumer behavior has changed and how the needs of the type of customers that you work with have also changed over that time. Um, and you talked a little bit about kind of the business that you've built in terms of how you serve and support uh, consumers. Um, and you talked a little bit about the business you build in terms of how you serve and support your, your customers. Um, but talk about um, how you acquire customers, how you've actually scaled the business over that period of time. Um, and I'd love to kind of really get into kind of the mechanics. Like, you know, talk about when you sort of first went out to acquire your, your, your first customer. Uh, how you scale the business by adding to that customer over time, and what what it, what does your business look like today strategically in terms of how you think about sales and marketing? Sure. So you know it's it's been an interesting business for us to be in because we've always been very very early, and we we had this very clear vision that you know hey customer care over social media is going to be a really big thing. Right. But you know when we first started, the term social customer service, which is now so common, literally didn't exist. Yeah, we were kind of one of the first companies to actually start using that term. Uh, and so we had to go out and do a huge amount of education and thought leadership on why it was so important for companies to be paying attention, what social customer service was, how you actually had to go about doing it. Um, and so right from the early days, we, we do a lot of research, a lot of white papers. Uh, every year we've been doing this definitive guide, which is a you know, pretty hefty tune on like how, how brands need to be handling and thinking about this. I'm really getting into quite a lot of detail from a process perspective so that if you were a big brand looking at getting into this space, we could you know, we have a huge amount of materials that would help you do that. Um, and so we really took this kind of thought leadership approach to the market and that drove a lot of our content that we created, um, whether that was blogs, white papers, case studies, everything else. Um, we've also always taken that approach you know, at a lot of events and conferences we think you know, we really come to these events and consider that we're here to kind of help educate mm. the market, mm. um, and that kind of continues to this day as we, the industry keeps evolving. There's you know, more messaging platforms and more things, and now now it's about messaging and automation more than it was just social. Mm. But whatever it is, we, we, a core thing that we do is is, is educate, mm -hmm. and uh, and we get a lot of people coming inbound and knowing about us because of that. Right. Um, so what happens at that point? So you know, I can. With the content, the white papers, the, the annual study that you put out, um, perhaps events, although we'll come back to talk about that yeah. in a minute, this is sort of, you know, top of funnel type of sort of activity, right? So you're bringing people yeah. in. Um, talk about kind of the mid-funnel stuff that you're doing in terms of like onboarding new, new customers. Sure. So, you know, I'll, I'll say quickly, yeah, we are an enterprise-focused company. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we have kind of, I'd say broadly two tracks of customers. Kind of mid mid size, so still pretty big companies, and then kind of what we call call kind of real enterprise. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, at the real enterprise level, working with some of the biggest brands in the world, with big contracts, uh, often it's a very long sales cycle. You know, maybe nurturing and working with that brand uh, sometimes for multiple years mm -hmm. before they actually are ready to, to buy. Mm -hmm. um, when they are ready to buy, we'll then you know work with them on a formal RFP process. Going through uh, generally with those bigger brands and full RFPs that won't even necessarily be a trial, mm. um, but you know they'll, they'll come on, 
In terms of implementation, we have a, a professional services team and we'll spend quite a bit of time helping understand how do we need to you know, customize the workflows and the analytics for them. Uh, increasingly, we're, we're building integrations into single sign-on or CRM systems, mm -hmm. um, you know, which we always, we've always done, but we used to really be trying to like, we, we would be knocking on our clients being like, you really need to integrate this, and it was a real struggle. Now it's kind of every single client we sign up pretty much includes integration into, into the rest of their systems. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have a you know a customer success team, and we have a very hand you know we have a kind of pretty white glove approach to dealing with our customers. Mm -hmm. um, and for those big clients, we really try and understand what are their strategic objectives mm -hmm. and how can we help them meet those strategic objectives. And you know obviously a big part of that is our product, mm -hmm. but it can also be integrations, services, partners, and and you know we really view it as our job to figure out. How do we bring all of that together to help them meet those objectives? And, and it, it's a SaaS business, pure like SaaS platform, pure SaaS, it, but with a, a sort of a heavy kind of service component. It, you know that, that obviously comes with the product piece of, of what you're providing. How important is that service component when you think about the pieces of the of the platform and the, and the service that you have, like managed to kind of like automate? Yeah. Uh, so again, it depends on the customer. Um, you know, 90% plus of our contracts are always uh, are pure kind of SaaS license revenues. Mm -hmm. But yeah, because we are still early in the market, um, you know, people need guidance. And, and I think part of the reason that uh, brands choose to work with us is because we do bring a lot of that expertise and a lot of those services. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that adds a lot of value and it adds a big part of our kind of value proposition. Mm -hmm. um, integrations are an interesting one because... You know, increasingly, uh, the integrations are becoming more standard. Mm. You know, increasingly, it's an out-of-the-box integration with Salesforce that we can roll out very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, whereas a couple of years ago, it was a lot more custom integrations. And obviously, the more out-of-the-box it gets, the simpler it is from mm -hmm. a services perspective to roll out as well. Right. Um, and you know, for, for our mid-size clients, who, like I said, are still big brands but don't quite have that you know, the full need, they may have more. They may have come inbound, you know, from reading a white paper or whatever it is, and uh, we'll have a sales process, and can often they can become a customer pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And if it's a smaller team, which generally doesn't have the integration requirements, there'll be some help with setting up and customizing the workflows and analytics. But it won't be there won't be any engineering resource into that, and that and that can be up and running in, in a matter of days. Leads to scale is brought to you by Social Media Week's next conference. SMW London, the UK's premier event for professionals in media, marketing, and technology. SMW London is happening November 14th to the 16th at the Queen Elizabeth Conference Centre in Westminster and will feature over 60 talks, workshops, and roundtable discussions led by leading thinkers at Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, The Economist, the BBC, BBH London, Tex100, Hearst, Iris, Endemol, and many more. Listeners to this podcast can attend Social Media Week London by registering at socialmediaweek.org forward slash London. Use offer code leads to scale. That's leads number two scale at checkout for an extra 15% off the current ticket price. That's leads to scale to save 15% off your pass. Okay, on with the show. So, I mean, 
you, you referenced events um, and, and why they're important, and you talked a little bit about like they're important from a sort of education sort of standpoint and getting out to educate the industry. Um, talk a little bit more about the role that events and conferences like Social Media Week play in, in terms of um, how that impacts um, uh, your customer acquisition strategy. Yeah. And, and connected to that, I'd also love to hear your thoughts on why are we still meeting in person? Why is that an important component, particularly given the nature of our business, particularly given yeah. the fact that we are generally looking to figure out how we can kind of create efficiencies, how we can automate, how we yeah. can do more digitally. Um, so yeah, so, so talk about kind of events in general, why social media is important, and then and why meeting in person is Yeah, and they're obviously all, all related, right? You know, fundamentally, I think it comes down to trust. Mm-hmm. And... You know, if we just look at our customer acquisition funnel, for those mid-sized customers with kind of you know, relatively low contract sizes, and they're still big from a software perspective, but in, in the range of things, you know, generally we don't need to meet the company face-to-face. But at the enterprise level, when you have contract sizes that are in the hundreds of thousands, sometimes into the millions, you know, it's a big commitment that you're making. And you know, often when an executive buyer at one of those organizations is you know, going to be signing a contract of that size with a company, you know, it's, it's their job is partly on the line. Mm-hmm. You know, if they really, if they sign that amount of money away and it completely messes up, then you know, it could be a really bad mark for them from a career perspective. Mm-hmm. And so as a human being, like, they need to feel a strong level of trust in you mm-hmm. and, and your team. Um, and I think that while a certain amount of trust can be garnered just over over the phone and in video conferences. It, we're, we're still we're still humans and we're still people, and part of it is emotional. And uh, meeting face to face and spending time face to face, I think, is just a really important part of, of building building that trust up. Um, and yeah, I, I, so for us, events are a big part of that. You know, like I said, for, for big customers, it can sometimes take. A number of years to nurture that relationship mm-hmm. and you know, part of that time is then you know whatever reading the white paper we've released mm-hmm. but you know a big part of it is us seeing them at events spending time with them mm-hmm. you know them seeing us at multiple different events and kind of seeing that we're about and seeing the other relationships we have and I think a lot a big part of it is just building that human connection yeah um, and that's where kind of events like social media week come in right it's where Brands, clients, vendors are coming together and getting to meet each other as humans, you know, around this kind of shared interest. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, what makes it so valuable. So, I mean, you, you obviously had like um, a great deal of success with Conversocial. Um, you're, you're still a relatively young guy, I, I'm assuming. Um, and I'm also assuming that Conversocial was your first company, is that right? Uh, so, Conversocial actually uh, kind of evolved out of my last company. So I, I founded a company called iPlatform uh-huh. uh, back in London in 2007, right. uh, which was one of the world's first Facebook app development agencies. Mm-hmm. So very in the, in the very early days of Facebook, we were one of the first companies building Facebook apps and brands. Right. Um, and we were kind of involved in that whole industry, realized that the kind of Facebook app stuff was going to be a bit of a fad, but really believed in, in this kind of shifting communication. And so Conversocial began as a kind of side project of that agency and then it was split out and we eventually sold the agency and, uh, and raised VC for Conversocial. So um, 
I have a two-part question. So part one is like, you know, you're obviously doing this for seven or eight years and you've had some success in, in, in scaling this business. Um, and a lot of what you describe in, in terms of the mechanics of the business, like the engineering side, the, sort of the, the services piece of the business, marketing, sales, etc. you know, presumably you were building those for the first time. Yeah. You know, how, how have you figured it out? You know, as an entrepreneur, yeah. you know, and as a business owner, how have you figured it out along the way? Like share a little yeah. bit about what that journey has been like. Uh, yeah, lots of trial and error, I would say. <laughs> um, you know, no, no doubt the, uh, the main way that we have developed in all of those areas is by hiring great people mm-hmm. who are much better at it than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've learned a lot from that. And uh, you know, generally the era where, that, where it's been has either been you know, people without enough experience trying to do something or if we've hired someone that hasn't been a good fit for whatever reason. Um, but you know, I think in the in the kind of enterprise SaaS space, you know, there are certain things which uh, that you're doing which are unique. You know, the particular market we're going after, the actual intricacies of what we're building from a product perspective are unique. But the kind of engine around it, you know, the B two B SaaS in terms of how you do marketing, how you do sales, how you do customer success, you know, these processes have been kind of done before. Um, and so, you know, I've certainly found that you know, it's possible to hire really great people who kind of been been there and done that to an extent, and can come and bring some of that, match it with the stuff that makes us unique, and and create a, create something that really works. I mean, your, your most recent insight is into obviously private messaging, and that's obviously a big big focus of yours right now. What, what's next? Like, what do you look at in the in the near future in terms of? Um, either, you know, what's the next big disruption that you need to be aware of and be focused on and thinking about how you adapt to that, um, or, or just an emerging trend that you, you think is beyond private messaging, something that's going to kind of help to propel your business and even the industry forward. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. You know, first of all, the big growth that we've seen in private messaging today has primarily being the, the kind of private messaging of the public social networks. Mm-hmm. You know, Facebook Messenger, Twitter DMs, this kind of stuff. Um, the big things that are about to come online you know, over the next 6 to 12 months are you know, WhatsApp, releasing their business accounts, mm-hmm. so kind of messaging only, mm-hmm. which I think is just going to be crazy for businesses in Europe and South America. And there are already a lot of businesses using it kind of unofficially off phone, you know, just off devices. Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be huge, huge demand, both from businesses businesses and from consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the US, I think we're going to see some really exciting stuff coming from Apple Business Chat. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with both Apple Business Chat and with WhatsApp, the key uh, characteristic of both of them is security. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially in light of all the stuff that's been going on, Cambridge Analytica, and you know, in general... You know, there are brands who've been wary of investing too much into messaging through the social networks um, because of security and encryption concerns. And uh, Apple Business Chat and WhatsApp kind of take care of those concerns to a, to a large degree. Um, you know, we already have, I've already spent time with some major banks who are you know, investing pretty heavily into Apple Business Chat right now for that purpose, right? because of that. Right. Um, now, the other really cool thing about Apple Business Chat is that it kind of starts to forge a bit of a connection with voice assistants mm-hmm. because you'll be able to say to Siri, yeah, and I shouldn't actually say it because then our, our phones will start buzzing, you say, hey, 
good. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, tell Hyatt I need to check out late. Right. And uh, it will just write that message to Hyatt and send it for you. Right. Uh, and they can respond back as, a, as an iMessage. Right. And that's it's really seamless. Right. Um, and I think that's that's pretty exciting. So I think we're going to start to see voice assistants start to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Apple have that great combination where they have messaging and voice in the same platform. Right. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Alexa is certainly thinking about it, but it's kind of too early to see exactly what happens there. Right. Um, so that's a big one. The other thing that I think we're going to see a lot more of is around payments in messaging. You know, again, brands are just starting to get into this. It'll become much, much easier with Apple Business Chat, but I think we'll see it across all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, in public social media world, brand, you know, brands were kind of terrified of selling because it was public. Yeah, that that is not a fear in private messaging. Um, and if you look at a traditional call center, a call center will be fifty percent service, fifty percent sales. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that when it comes to private messaging, uh, you will start to see the same. And I think there's a lot of big opportunities there as well. So, Josh, um, you are a recently and at least almost imminently a published author. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about the book that you have coming out. Sure. Yeah, so I, the, the book is called Message Me. Uh, it's been a labor of love for the last you know, year and a half or so. And um, you know, as I've mentioned already, there's, this, there's this, these two big changes that have been happening in our industry. You know, the rise of messaging and the rise of automation and bots. And I really believe that the combination of those two things is going to be hugely disruptive to the customer service industry over the next few years. You know, customer service today is still primarily over the phone. And there are lots of reasons for that. But I think the combination of messaging and automation is going to create a, a, a customer service channel that's so compelling both for consumers, because it's so much easier and faster to get help, and for businesses because they drive you know, higher customer experience and they're, and they're saving them money, mm-hmm. uh, that we're really going to see a big transition start to happen over the next few years. Uh, and so I wanted to write the book to really kind of set out, you know, hey, here's all the trends that have been happening across these industries, and here's my vision and our vision for where it's going to go and what you need to do about it. Um, and it was really just to kind of get that message out into the market. So I think it's a really big message, and it's certainly one that I'm really excited about. Where can Amazon get hold of a copy? Yeah, if you search Amazon for Message Me, uh, you should be able to buy it on Kindle and uh, and pre-order the hardback now. Phenomenal. And where can people find out more information on Conversocial? Yeah, best thing, come to our website, conversocial.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Joshua March. Um, and yeah, please send me a message. I look forward to, to engaging with you. Fabulous. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. This has been Leads to Scale, brought to you by Social Media Week. For more information on how to get involved with future events, visit socialmediaweek.org. If you have a moment, please rate, review, and subscribe to Leads to Scale wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening.